For those who declare themselves politically right of centre, with all the dangers that being on the right side bring, the trend appears to be, whether politician or pundit, to call for a reboot of capitalism. At one end, you have those who merely think a rebrand is needed, that we just haven't got the messaging and the optics right, that we just need to get better at the spin. At the other end, are those who think that the ills of capitalism can be solved by changing the rules, that the system just needs tweaking here and there to stop the bad behaviours of those who wish to exploit others and get rich doing it. Both groups will point out the basic problems with socialism. Not enough of them talk about the billions of lives taken out of poverty by policies encouraging free enterprise. Those that want to supposedly improve the rules don't realise that it's those laws and regulations and the tether of the market to the state that has caused those bad behaviours, not capitalism itself. It's hard to find any that aren't sadly merely apologists for capitalism. So what of the morality of capitalism? Is there a way of defending it without apologising? Should we even use a term that was created by its enemies? Who will stand up for it? And does it just need a reboot? Welcome to Sounding Board. Andy, why don't we read and hear people make a full-throated defence of capitalism? That's a really good question. I think there are probably a number of answers uh, as to why people don't. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got, on one hand, socialists and communists who we don't expect to, you know... I'm certainly not thinking negative about capitalism at all. Um, I think what you alluded to in your intro was that the people who you would expect to defend capitalism don't seem to be doing it yes. very well. People who in all. this country, generally speaking, would be um, conservatives, uh, people who believe in free markets and free enterprise, uh, the small state people. I think a lot of it is probably down to... So basically everyone is educated by the state. Yeah. Um, and you are taught from a very young age that government is good and government is a good thing. Um, therefore, you tend to believe that if you know that if government does something, it's you know it, it's it's for the better, and government should be used as a as a, as a force of good. Um, politicians, I think, there's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance going on there. Um, you know, if your job depends on you interfering with people's lives, which let's face it, that's every single politician. You know, they're they're, they're there to run your lives or run our lives for us. Yeah. Or certain certain aspects of you know to provide the rules and the framework or how you you want to say this. Their job depends on them interfering. So they're always even the out and out capitalists are always going to think that at least a tiny bit of interference is a good thing. Otherwise, they're out of a job. So they're probably they they may even if they've got these two two or more conflicting thoughts. One of them thinking. Well, free markets are good, capitalism is good, and the other one thinking, well, yeah, but I, you know, government is a good thing, and of course the government needs to provide the rules and the framework and the regulation. That part's going to win because their finances and their livelihood and their work, which they may gain meaning from, is is all about that. Take um, take take journalists, uh, commentators. Um, now I know that there is, I mean, the history of it now and the. I've even I've even heard the term the other day. A, a 
journalicians, I think it was, or something, which this, we've got plenty of politicians who were journalists and vice versa now. You can go from being a politician to being a journalist or being in the entertainment industry and being in the media in some way. So I know there's a blurry line there a bit. But the, there, there are still people who now will defend capitalism but. And it's, it's like free speech but. And well, so, so are to... they still, are they just not intellectually taking it far enough or are they still trying to get a little virtue signaling what what is it about about that well for, for a start it's actually as you and i know it's not that easy to defend capitalism you know we've had quite a few conversations over the last few weeks um you know about this topic yes um it's you know it's not that easy um it's very easy to, you know, to be emotive and to and talk to make about sweeping statements, and yeah, and to talk about socialism and communism and government intervention, and to paint a good picture of what it could be like if, 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 if any yeah. people just listen to me, um, and you, know, you, you had me in charge. This is what I would do, and, and this would happen, and you don't require any evidence for that. Um, you've heard of the I've, I've talked about this before. You've heard of the equidistance fa- fallacy, haven't you, or the golden mean the fallacy? The golden mean fallacy. Yeah, which which is uh, for our listener, it's the idea that an absolute in either argument uh, cannot be right, and that you know, you must need to take something, you know, some kind of form of nuance is is some kind of compromise, some kind of middle way. Exactly, and, yeah. and this this enables people to appear nuanced and to appear clever. If you're saying, well, of course we can't be can't go to extremes in either direction. What we need is to find the right amount of capitalism and the right amount of government intervention. And that allows a person to be able to, you know, to, to kind of to, to, to say their piece and to, you know, to have opinions on stuff, which is nicer for them than saying, well, no, you should just leave everybody on their own and, and they can make their own decisions. Yeah. So is there a problem with the word capitalism itself, do you think? Uh, something that makes people instinctively think of money and therefore that the acquisition of that is greed. Well, I think that was the, probably the intention around when, you know, I think it was Marx who coined capitalism, wasn't it? Or uh, one of his mates. Or Engels, or, or one yeah. of those, both those. Um, I, I'm sure it was, it was deliberate, because it, you know, it, they were talking about people just gaining capital, um, and, and, and that obviously being a, being a bad thing. Mm. Um, but how do you, you know, if you're... So, is it a word we've just got to own now, or do we need to be talking about so I uh, free markets? I, I prefer to be talking about free markets because people tend to think what we have now is capitalism. And then ten years ago, people thought that what we had then was capitalism. And I think the goalposts will be changing. Whereas free markets are, you know, a free market is an absolute. Um, capitalism tends these days to include corporatism, or you can call it crony capitalism, or or whatever. Um, I think we, we we either need to own it, and uh, but I think we're going to but do that. We, we need it. to we need to define it. So when we talk about capitalism, we mean an absolutely free market. We're not talking about government regulation, and we're not talking about tariffs and and all these sorts of things. We mean you know this is what we mean. Okay, and so you, I think you've tried to write a definition, haven't you? I have. And I tried to, I tried to, I tried to be, I guess, a little bit philosophical about this, and tried to kind of narrow it down to like a single sentence. Um, Go on then. Okay, so this this is what I've got so far. So capitalism is, in essence, every individual pursuing what they value by providing what others value to them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We and we've had this conversation. So everybody can have everybody can value things differently. 
I want to get more of what I value. In order to do that, I have to find something that somebody else values and do it for them. And either either barter or, or, or trade with some form of currency or money or, or whatever. Yes, yeah, so you're talking but about trade, it, you're talking about exchange in some way, but also you've been you've been careful there not to talk about money. You talk about value, and so that value, you know, what people value is different, but you could trade your time well, to what a job is at the end of the day. Um, so we last free, talked a, about a free market this. can operate without money. You can, yes. have, you can have a free market that's totally. just, just barter. Just barter, for example. totally. Um, but then you do, I, I, I always use an example that, you know, it's quite difficult to carry all of these sheep around with me. That, which is exactly which why, is why money don't exists. Do that. Yeah. Um, the last time we had the discussion about definition, which is not on, on a podcast, I was saying that I think your definition needs to have like an extra step in it to include the money. Because you then, you know, you, you earn money by selling your wares or selling your skills or selling your time, selling your expertise in something. You get money that then allows you to buy something else that you can't make or that you don't have time to make or that someone else does specialise in that you wouldn't be able to do as well yourself. And we're doing this all day long. I, mean, I, I get that you want something that's pure in terms of your definition. Um, and I worry about it coming across too philosophically, I suppose. But you've already alluded to the fact that this is complicated and it's often um, counterintuitive. It's until you really explain what does happen in a, in a truly capitalist system, then it, people just make assumptions based on the current situation, which is that there's an awful lot of state still going on and that we don't. We currently don't operate a free market. There, you know, we don't operate free enterprise because there are a huge amount of laws and regulations that govern exactly how this system works. And politicians and pundits like to come out and say that it's the market that's been created by government, and they want to put their their their, their spin on it and their rules on it uh, in order to, in quotes, you know, protect protect people. Well, in my intro. I alluded to a couple of categories that I'd loosely put people into. The apologists I'm talking about here, not the people who, they kind of mean well, they try to defend capitalism, but they end up always apologising for certain aspects of it. Uh, and I put them into two camps. One, which was just people who think it needs a bit of a rebranding exercise. We just need to different terms. We need to stop banging on about Venezuela or whatever. And the others, which want to actually change the system. And not in a socialist way change the system, but just we'll just tweak the rules a bit here, and then that might discourage people from stealing all that money from that company, or or, or, or cozying up to to big business, or stop the monopoly, or whatever. Even though actually the way they want to do it would probably have the opposite effect. So, do you agree with those groups? Well, I don't I don't disagree with the groups, but I was having a think about this myself, and I actually came up with two. Other counts, oh, okay. and another way of, of um, uh, dividing them. Dividing them. Up. Okay, go on then. So I, I, I split them up into two. Um, the first camp are the regulators. So these are the people who right. want to, you know, they want to. They need to they need to protect people. You know, they they're, they're vulnerable from themselves. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. From people, the big bad company. People can't be trusted. Um, although you know, some people can be trusted to govern the whole thing. You know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So you got you got the regulators. Who, you know, of course we can't have untrammeled capitalism, the kind of unregulated, a complete free market. Nick Timothy. Absolutely chaos. Yeah. 
Nick Timothy is, is an odd bit, but there are, there are many, many of them. Yeah. Um, what I will say is that most people kind of fit into both camps as well. So this isn't like a close okay. split. It's most a bit, pe- of a, bit of a spectrum. Yeah, mo- most, most people are, you know, kind of come into both. So they're, they're the regulators. And they're the ones who talk about subsidising socialism. So yeah, of course, capitalism is the greatest way that we can we can we can oh, create wealth. Right. What do we do with that wealth? Wow, well, we use it ah, to help people. So what you're talking about here is this mythical blend of the public and private sector. Yeah, and that's often the only way that they you know when when some of these people talk about about capitalism, the only the only bit they talk about with enthusiasm, or the only bit that actually they kind of they kind of big up, is that even if the small state conservatives, for example, is the bit that the government does. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the cognitive dissonance in believing that whatever the government does is, you know, is good. Um, so yes, of course, we want people to be free and to generate wealth and generate money. But then we'll take a little bit and we'll do all this good stuff. We'll give you free healthcare. We'll build all the roads. We'll provide a legal system. We'll, you know, we'll provide an army, a police, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. They focus on that being the good stuff, and well, we can't just get that. We, you know, we need to we need to generate the money somehow, and capitalism is the best place, best way of doing that. So they're the, they're the kind of the, the, the light socialists, I guess. Um, well, and if you read very recently... Yeah, uh, Tim, Tim Montgomery, these, these sorts of people. Wow, but Boris Johnson. Mm. Boris Johnson... Well, basically is, everybody in the Conservative Party. And, even, and, even people... Who was the guy who we saw talk? Steve Baker, who, you know... Yeah. You know, you would think he's on the, on, on the right of the Conservative Party. He certainly comes across as, like a, as, a, as a bit of a tax cutter. But he, he talked in front of us about wanting 35% of GDP to... You know, to go towards the state. Yeah, uh, and that that really surprised me. Um, and but even um, even people like uh, Lord Tebbit, they will they will list, they will go will go on about the free market and choice and competition, and then reel off the list of exceptions. But it's like these list of exceptions have just been agreed by everyone. And and the the problem is, it's been going on for so long now. Is that you're almost born thinking that, as you say, the ed- the education system. As soon as they got the education system, that that meant that they were able to do that. But education, health, roads, you know, these are all things that uh, you know, the army and the police, as you say, uh, the, the, these are all things that are just you just no one no one questions that they're delivered by the state. But but don't you think that people grow up with a a, a slight I think people do question it, and they and they, even though they are taught to want to agree with those little things being being provided for by the state, there's a conflict, don't you think, that builds up in people where they're also quite happy to 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 bash the NHS and their local council and uh, public sector. There's there's a there's a real dichotomy, isn't there? There's, and and. And I think that 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 means there's this 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 chink of the armor that you can go for if you if you explain it uh, and and do what we're trying to do, which is to actually say, well, yeah, there, if you actually think about it and you map on other other industries against health and education and all these others, that there would be another way of of doing it. I think you're you're in danger of erring towards more of an economic argument about capitalism. Okay, you? and. In your intro, you specifically mentioned the morality. Um, so there are, there are two ways of paying for things. You can people can pay for things voluntarily, or they can be forced to pay for something. 
So when I go to Tesco, I buy biscuits and it's because I want them and I get a choice of manufacturers and different types and whatever. I have choice. No one's forcing me to... And no one's taking my money for me and then just giving me a custard cream. But even even if you didn't have a choice, even if custard creams were the only biscuits on you know on the aisle in Tesco's, yep. you're still buying them of your own accord. Yes. Um, so there, there are two ways of paying stuff, voluntarily or, or through coercion or through force. So which one of those is more moral for you? I could have sworn you put whiskey in there already. No, not yet, but I can, I can do here. Yeah, some, sorry. Some, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you poured it. No, no, that's your imagination or you're thinking about last week. But here's some scotch for you. Thank you. I need it, that's why. Your health. Thank you. So, I know I shouldn't start with soap, but I, I, I just wanted to steal man, the, the, one of the answers to, to, to that question we just asked about, you know, which, is, which is more moral. Yeah. Um, I think the only way that people can, uh, can really justify this, and you alluded to it in your introduction before, in that the pe- or, or, and, and I know I certainly talked about it, where there are the people who apologise for capitalism by saying capitalism is good because we can spend the money on this. Yes. So the, the moral argument is I can take a small portion of your salary and I can spend it better than you can. Yeah. Um, so we can we can we can feed the poor. Uh, we can care for the vulnerable, etc. Uh, etc. Et that's that's the reason for it. And this is about that lowest common denominator type stuff, isn't it? It's uh, it's for as you say the most vulnerable in society. It's the greater good argument, isn't it? Yes. You know, I, I, I can do I can do a greater good uh, with with your money than than you can, or certainly a, a portion of your money. And of course, as we all know, that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it starts off with a small percentage. Ends up at you know forty five or fifty percent you know or, or in Sweden one hundred and five percent. Yes, um, but let's just unpick that because the, the, there are two things there. I think the argument of greater good. I I, I is hate. I hate. But that is good. different from I can spend your money better than you. I think. Well, no. I, so the, the great the great. Let's okay. Let's let's unpick the greater good. The greater good implies that you're doing something bad. Otherwise, it would just be yes. well. We're doing something good. We don't have. We don't have to. You know, to, to justify anything. Well, you else. never do. We're doing a good thing. You don't do a good thing for a greater good thing. No, you do a good thing because it's a good thing to do. Yeah. The greater good implies that you're doing something bad, and the the, the bad stuff is the theft. You know, it's the taxation. It's we're taking some of your money. Okay, this is bad, but the greater good is that we're going to do all these other great things with it. That's that's how they justify it. Yes. Well, and that's often used in the oppression of a minority as well, isn't it? Oh, the greater it is. good is well. Okay. No. Let's coin a phrase for the many, not the few. Yeah. That's yes. that's the greater good, isn't it? Oh, it's it's it's, it's a it's a spin on, on the greater good. Um, yeah. It's because the greater good has been used to death. Um, so it's they, they've just put a, a, another another spin on it. It's exactly the same thing, and it just implies doing bad things. And my argument is, don't do bad things. It reminds me. It reminds me of Google. You know, remember Google's old slogan about "Don't be evil." Oh, it was in, like written into their kind of constitution or something, wasn't it? It was. But what a low bar that is! Don't. Be, and so evil is like the the absolute worst. Evil is like you know you you kind of Adolf Hitler, you Joseph Stalin, this this kind of thing. That's that's where that's where their bar is. Don't don't be that. You can do anything. Do you else. know, I'd not. I'd not ever thought about it that way. It wasn't. It, it be didn't good. say be good or just be good, only be good, or even don't be bad. It was just don't be evil. Don't that's be that's evil. our bar, and they couldn't even manage that. They had to take it out of the constitution because they couldn't even manage that. Yeah, 
<laughs> so that's 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 exactly what that reminds me of. And I know, I know we've talked about it before about uh, how how you brought up to 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 view that two wrongs don't make a right. Um, well, yeah, that's fairly basic, isn't it? But this is just well, no, okay. There's, so there's a wrong in the world. So we'll do another wrong to correct it. We'll take your money. It's just it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. Yeah, I'm being taxed. We are being taxed for the greater good. That's that's the argument. Yeah. I so one one of the things that I um uh, you know I like to ask people if I'm if I'm taxed at a hundred percent all my earnings everything I do if if, if I'm taxed at a hundred percent most people I think would agree that I'm a slave if I'm getting if I'm getting nothing for my all labor, of your all wages of, are being taken all of my wages I would argue and I think most people would would agree that I'm a slave well and if it's with in in tax if it's from the person you're working for. Then that's the more traditional view of slavery. You'd be the, you would be owned by the slave owner, but in that case, there, if it's tax, then you're owned by the state. The state is the slave owner. But yeah, totally, that's, that's slavery. That's slavery, isn't it? Hundred percent is slavery. So, what percentage do I stop being a slave? If I'm Ooh. taxed at ninety percent, am I still a slave? Well, well you're I, certainly ninety percent slave. Okay, so. Currently, are you vast, about 40 50% slave right now? Well, the vast majority of my salary is taxed at, at 40%, uh, plus we've got national insurance, there's a dividend tax. Well, okay, but think about all the indirect taxes exactly, all the, all the good stuff like booze and you know, petrol and and but let alone just fat on anything, yeah, co- correct. So, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably confident in saying I pay over 50% of my salary in tax. Yes, am I half a slave? Yeah, well, I, mean, but, I, I think so. But if it was only, I mean, look, you and I would be cheering from the rooftops if we had, uh, say, a 10% flat tax. Yeah, we would consider that to be so outlandishly good compared to what we have now, you know, if even we, if we advocate for something that is all about zero. If we had a 30% flat tax, I'd be cheering about that. That's how bad it is. Yes, that's how bad it is. But let's take 10%. 10% slave? Is 10% slave okay? I, I would still be pushing for naught. And yeah, for things to be paid for voluntarily. Well, and so this is the point, isn't it? When I'd be happier, you, no doubt. When you walk into a shop, you are volunteering to buy something. You're, so I talked about choice before, and that being about the particular product, the particular type and modelling. I use biscuits, and obviously there's a huge array of biscuits. They're a huge way of, you know, different manufacturers just making custard creams, let alone... Let alone you know the uh, the different types of biscuit that there are, but you go in there for a voluntary transaction. But even at this nice low ten percent figure that we've just come up with, it's still being taken by force. And so, if you if we're saying that if you had the choice to opt out of paying that tax, um, then that that would be fine. Well, the point I the point I've made before is that even if your tax is being used in a way that you like. It's it's taking that that kind of the, the act of giving away from you. So even even if it's going to help the the, the vulnerable or the poor or, or whatever whatever your chosen. If thing it's a is, way that I like, why wouldn't I do it voluntarily? Well, correct, but it's it's not giving you the option. So you you don't have the option. You ha- you know if you're taxed at ten percent, twenty percent, forty percent, whatever. That the act of giving. Which is a good thing. It provides you get something out of it. Yeah, um, it's it's taken away. You know, the, the the statists want the state to produce everything 
and they hate charity because they see that as a failure of the government, a failure mm. of the state. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably going over old ground here, but they're, they're taking the act of Well, and again, away. I think we've said before, the stats bear out that people of a more free market nature actually give more to charity than than those leftist, statist people do. Because as you say, they, they think that the state should do absolutely everything. Just going back to slavery as well. So that, that reminds me, one of my favourite quotes from, from Spooner is, a man is no less a slave because he's allowed to choose a new master once in a term of years. All right, so you're coming back to the specifics of I'm democracy ca- there. Yeah, democracy and slavery. And it, you know, it, it, if I could choose a new mafia, a new head of the mafia... You know, if I, if I lived in Sicily and I then could choose, still a, new taking you and by I could force, choose yeah. a new head of the mafia every four years, it's, it's no difference. Yeah, well, so, okay, so this this comes back to the idea that um, you're just born into this system, aren't you? There, And I, I know you love using the term, oh, but there's a social contract. I, I like saying that um, with things I get from the state, I have no, I have absolutely no recourse. I have, Where's, where's my ability to get a refund because something wasn't done properly? I know I keep coming back to my biscuits, but if I walk out of the shop and it turns out that my biscuits are mouldy or broken, if I walk back into that shop, they'll give me a refund because there is a set of standards that you adhere to. And there's a contract, and there is actually a contract in place even if you do walk into a shop and you don't see a set of terms and conditions. There is a, there is a, there is a contract being made, and contract law is really important. But we don't have a contract for all of the state-run services. And so if something doesn't happen right, if something it doesn't deliver you the value in the way that it's promised, um, you don't get a refund. And we're told that somehow the democratic system, the democratic process, somehow legitimises that. Or, or we're told, rather than walking into a shop that does serve you better than the one that gave you broken biscuits and you're exercising your right there, you have to wait until, like Spoon saying, you have to wait until the end of the term. You have to wait till the next election. And all you get to do is, on, on your own, you have, you have to get together with enough other people. The majority. The majority. You have to form a majority in order to kick out someone who is running this system, running these state, this state sector badly. But if you've only got a, people to choose from, if the only other realistic prospect is to vote someone else in who's going to do the same thing under the same flawed system, it's no choice at all. You mentioning the social contractors now, that reminds me of another argument that I've heard uh, for the government taking your money and taxing you. So you, you, know, you mentioned that you're born into it. You know, this, this social contract, the mythical document that nobody's ever signed, but supposedly you sign it when you're born or it's signed for you. The state is imbued with these magical rights. Yeah, it's, 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 all, it's all rubbish. So... Um, what they often say is that, okay, so the, the money that you've made, Nick, the money that you've made, you've done with the help of the state because the ah. state has provided you with roads, with courts, with infrastructure. You can't survive without the this state. This is foundational economics. It is. It's yes. exactly that. And, and they don't take it back. Well, okay, so how, how are those things, how are those things created initially? Well, through, through theft of somebody else. So that makes it fine, does it? But, right, see, my argument to all this is None of those things, these so-called foundational um, services, none of them originally started as a, as a state-run service. They all started as something private that then got um, nationalised, is the current term for that, but it, it then got um, turned into a monopoly-run state service. Or, or just stolen. It could be, you know, there could be roads that were, you know, that were built on stolen land. 
for example. Yeah, but it's just, we don't have a, again, I've just come back to, we just don't, we don't have a choice in the matter. Um, it, show me how I could do anything at the moment without the state. And there we go, the only, um, the only areas, the only, I suppose it's telling, isn't it? The, the biggest sector under the most scrutiny at the moment is big tech, isn't it? And it's because it's this, and I, I, I hate the, the way they always talk about, they always talk about the Wild West. Where they, yeah, the lawless land, uh, the the internet is is this kind of, well, it's currently the last bastion of freedom, isn't it? Um, and it's because it doesn't adhere to any borders, um, because it's incredibly cheap to access from basically anywhere. Um, I know, I'm, I'm generalising here, but yeah, as as a as an entity, as a thing now. Uh, it's something that you can is very very easy to use, and you can participate in these platforms. Most of them are free. The, the big tech companies have worked out a way, and yes, they've monetized you and your data. No two ways about it. But they've worked out a way of providing you a service that you like, and that they deliver for free, and they charge other companies for in order to survive. And you know this is about your data and your usage and advertising to you and stuff like this. But that's why the statists now are all over it, aren't they? To try and regulate it, to try and come up with laws around it, because it's an area that they haven't got control of yet. And spin forward a number of years, and I obviously hope this doesn't happen, but you just know when the internet is controlled by the state, that that will also become one of these things that is well, of course you couldn't have done that without the internet. You've got us to thank for that, haven't you? Because we're the ones who run the internet. We're the ones who protect you on the internet. We're the ones who make sure the internet stays online. We're the... You can see that's what they would do. And, and, and just in the same way that the transport network is something that has been completely co-opted by the state. Heaven forbid they do it with telecommunications. But if they did, of course you wouldn't be able to run your business without the internet. That's the state. Thanks very much for your money. Uh, I, I need that because otherwise I wouldn't be able to support all of these businesses and people with the internet. Well, look, look how much the internet's grown and changed over the last you know, 10 or 20 years. Well, regulation can't keep up with it. Exactly. And that's the only, that's the only reason that, that the internet is great. Imagine when, when they start properly regulating it and properly taking control. Innovation. Your, your use of the word properly there being... <laughs> innovation will grind, <laughs> grind to a halt. Yeah, I, I guarantee it will grow, it will grow yeah. into a halt. Yeah, no, completely. And it's, um, I mean, I, I chuckled at myself. I, you know, we both work in the technology sector. Um, I, unfortunately, for my business, have to be abreast of the, the compliance issues um, and the regulation and, and the, the, the new stuff. Certainly, uh, most people have heard of GDPR, the, the general data protection regulations that um, uh, have come out recently from the EU. The next one is the EU Copyright Directive, I, which we've talked about. I have about. a story about GDPR. Oh, go for it, go for it. So um, I, I broke my hand at the weekend. Um, yeah. Came, came off my bike, uh, mountain biking, doing a, doing a trail. Done all the difficult bits, all the fast bits. It was 100 yards from the end. Uh, hit I didn't realise you were close to the end. Yeah, I was really, really <laughs> close to the end, about 100 yards from the car park. Um, hit a rock, came over, my bike, uh, came over the handlebars on my bike, landed on my hand. Um, thought I'd dislocated my finger. Tried to put it back in. Wouldn't go back in because it wasn't actually dislocated. Nice. Turns out I've broken a couple of uh, you know a couple of clean breaks um, uh, in the bones of my hand. 
Um, so I went to A&E, as you do, and I went, okay, like, socialists love a queue, don't they? So I obviously had to queue for ages before I got seen. <laughs> Once I got seen, you know, like like a lot of the NHS, the guy who saw me was, was very good and, and, and meant well. Um, but, you know, anyway, this is the, my story is um, I had I had the x-rays done a couple of times. So they x-rayed it initially. Well, did they get it wrong the first time? Well, no. So so they x-rayed it to see what was wrong because I, I, I was convinced it was dislocated. And um, they wanted to disprove and, and, whether there was a break well, yeah, so yeah. And they want to find out how it's dislocated, if it is, of course, before they start wangling it around. Yeah. Um, so in the event of a dislocation, you'd have a, you'd have an x-ray anyway. Um, so I, I had the x-ray done and they said, yeah, okay, this is quite clear that you've broken, you've broken your hand in a couple of places. Uh, we're going to put a cast on it and try and set it, try and put the bone, click the bones back in place. Yeah. Um, which they did and then put, you know, put the cast on, clicked everything back in place, took an x-ray again to make sure that everything was actually in place before sending me off. So I have a look at these x-rays and they're great, you know, they've got like a, a nice high-res display. Um, oh, was it all digital? Yeah. It was all, yeah, all digital, yeah. kind of yeah. came through straight away. Can I have a copy of those x-rays, please? No, no, you can't do that anymore. Um, GDPR. Um, but, but, it's, but it's me. Yeah, it's so, my, so, my x-ray. And, and the guy says, look, I, I will lose my job if I, if I let you have copies. So what I used to do is let people take pictures with their phone of their own x-rays. Yeah. But now you have to, you can write in and you have to sign that you're happy to share the x-ray. With your yourself. With yourself. That's absurd. So, I, yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Oh, what a great little ridiculous. anecdote. I, I can't share. I need to sign that I can share my data with myself. <laughs> ridiculous. But this is, what, this is what happens, is they get interpreted in weird and wonderful ways, and nobody really truly knows what to do. GDPR hasn't been tested in court. There's no court in Britain that has got uh, anything that has happened yet where someone has, has said, no, I have a right to my data and you haven't given it to me or you've shared it incorrectly with someone else. And, and the law and the courts, you know, it, it relies on trials, doesn't it? It relies on there actually being case law and precedents being set and stuff like this. Well, that's how law used to be created, well, in, be created in, yeah. in the good old days. Yeah. Um, yeah, but stuff would be tried and tested in court before it became a law. Yeah, but, go, but going back to um, uh, you know, I, we work in the tech sector. Um, I have to be abreast of Ofcom regulations, EU directives coming out, stuff like this. But I do chuckle to myself because pretty much everything um, that that we do is about providing a service with clever software, and they just can't keep up. They will. Ne- I'm hoping they will never be able to keep up. It's the, it's the same as the planned economy approach, is that you can never be responsive enough. By the time they've debated something that might um, stop me from doing something in a certain way, a regulation, I'll have moved on to do something else. Because that's the nature of technology. It's too fast. And that's why they're really struggling. Well, with regulating it, which to me can only be a good thing. I'm worried now that we are we're, we're, we're talking about how bad the alternatives are, how bad socialism is, you know, how, how what slavery is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're still not really getting back to the topic at hand, which is the morality of capitalism. It's very, very easy to destroy socialism and communism and a mixed economy and all these things. It's not quite so easy to big up capitalism. Or, or free markets. Well, and I suppose, I suppose the point you're making is that it's easy to say what it's not. 
Yes, the capitalism so say, is good because it's not socialism, for example. Well, no, but that's or, that's or that's too broad. I'm talking about it's good because it's not using force, not using theft. Yeah, and I suppose the we have that. Well, let's be fair to us. We've been talking about um, having choice, and we've been talking about voluntarily making things, which are the which are the opposing sides of those things. But it is always easier to say what capitalism is not. I mean, I think so. If, if we're going, if we're going into the detail here, I think we can. So I like arguing for freedom, uh, yeah, basically above all else. So you can you can talk about freedom, you know, in ex, its extreme senses. You've got freedom on one end of the scale, and you have slavery on the other end. Um, and we're, you know, most places are, are in the are in the middle of that. You know, you're part slave because you're taxed at forty or fifty percent or whatever. Yeah, you're also part free. And as we've discussed before, countries are sometimes economically free but socially well there's a freedom index yeah C- correct and, yes. and there are measures of this um and, and you know you've got, you've got the economic index and, and you've got the social index as well yeah um and there's, there's you know mo- most places are in the middle and i on both counts would argue for freedom um once you get to complete freedom there are still different ways to organize things so you could still organize yourself ah, in, a, yes. in a socialist communist way or you could go for for pure capitalism or a free market I would, I would. Let's assume everything is now free, and there, and and we live in a free society. Capitalism is still the most moral way. So you made to... this point to me the other day because we were trying to, uh, we were just having a chat about this, weren't we? And saying what we're we going to talk about, and I started straying onto this space, and you said, "Hang on a bit. This is the morality of capitalism, not the morality of freedom." Because the morality of freedom is is almost easier, isn't it? Oh, freedom freedom is very very easy. To, it, and it's, once once you're free, what do you choose to do? Do you do you go to a, a Jewish kibbutzim or a commune, or a, do you do you choose to trade with? In a free society, individuals or groups can choose to, yeah, do something that feels more socialist on a small scale. But the point is, as long as they're not forcing anyone to do it. Whereas capitalism is the what we would say is, is it would be the dominant system that arose in a completely free society. So you can you can look at I mean and the evidence is 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 clearly there. So whenever people are given freedom, whether it's in China relatively recently, whether it's in the, and to whatever extent, yeah, whether it's the industrial revolution over here or whatever, when people are given freedom. They choose capitalism and they choose free markets all the time, and it always works. Even if people give voluntary communism a try, or some people do that, I don't think that is as good or as moral a system as capitalism, as in as rational self-interest and doing something for somebody else in order to get value for yourself, providing so, others with value in order to, to enrich your life. Well, and so okay, so this this ends up coming back to the central tenets of the individual over the collective and actually this stuff yeah you're you're getting towards this this definition that i that, well i we talked earlier in the podcast about the term capitalism and about whether or not we adopt it we use it and certainly we've been talking about it here but it's you know the term invented by by your enemies uh and i also said that I, my my kind of problem with the philosophical approach of your definition was that it kind of ignores the money because the money is i mean it's a means to an end it's 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 there to make transactions easy but it's it's not about the money it's about the value 
And so that that was that was deliberate, not including the money, because you can you, my, my my definition that was talking about transactions of value. So it could be barter, but it could be that that thing of value to you could be money. You're absolutely right, or some other commodity. You're absolutely right, and the point being is that it is it is almost always more than one trade transaction in order to get what you value, because you trade your time. You you go to you know, you get you go and work, and that's a transaction where you get money. And then there's a separate transaction to go and buy your biscuits, and that's you know that's that's the uh, you, it's more than one transaction in order to get what your value. But I you know, I wonder whether we should be calling this valueism. That's the kind of term that I keep coming back to, rather than calling it capitalism, because the the term capital is about money. Your term actually would your your definition would fit more to the word valueism. Are we are we now valueists? Yeah, I think so. I don't like it. I don't like being an ist of anything. You know that. I don't want to define myself by anything like that. But valueism, it's about the it's about creating value, but it's about that trade in order to get the value. It's your definition. It's your definition, but I think it would be it's more correctly termed as valueism. I mean, that's just what I'm saying right now. So, if you, one thing you mentioned as well is that capital capitalism is defined by, you know, by Marx and Engels in mm. Um, in, in Das Capital or, or whatever, whatever it was, um, they they have a, an, an odd definition as well. So, under their strict definition of capitalism, I, I'm not sure you and I could be classed as capitalists. Why is that? Well, the, the capitalists are the people that are the company, the people who own the companies and the factories, um, and right, uh, not just who, someone who, who owned the means of production. I mean, I guess you could argue right. that I own my own means of production because I do my work on a laptop, but that. That, that's not really what they mean. Um, you know, they're talking about the big business owners who have people working for them, and they're, and they they're not they're not they're they're doing nothing. They just own the means of production, and, and everyone else does it for them. Everyone yeah. else does it for them, in spite of the fact that they may have worked for thirty years and taken countless number of risks and worked on an idea for you know for forever and and are getting the value now. Uh, because they own the means of production and other people are working for them, they're the capitalists. Right. Whereas I think under a value. Valueism philosophy. Anybody can be a valuist. Yeah. Well, I say so. It, but it's important, isn't it? What the definition is. You were saying to me before this recording that you were getting in some, you know, Twitter sphere conversation that ended up going nowhere. Obviously, um, around the Marx definition of value and how basically Marx gets it wrong. Oh, completely. So he, the, the chap I was I was arguing with was talking about the Marx's labour theory of value. Yes. And uh, I was talking about the dictionary definition of value, about and, and how value is different for for everybody. Um, you know, how I value something will be different from how you value something, and how everybody else will value something, and how prices. Even if you get to this like this equilibrium price where everybody is happy, it's not everybody because if that equilibrium price is more than I value it, I won't buy it, and if it's less, I probably will. Yes. Uh, and his argument is well, well, that's not how Marx defines value. If you want to argue, if you want to argue Marx, you need to, to argue on his terms, and and that's that's obviously where it ended. Because <laughs> I, I refuse to to use his terms. You know, I'm going to use the dictionary definition of these terms, um, the universally accepted term of value. Well, I think what I've said before is the problem with modern economics or economics in general is that it's only about money, and so again, the term capitalism sounds like it's only about money and the pursuit of money. 
But it's the um, pursuit of value. But it's the pursuit of value, hence wanting to call it valueism. And another, another thing that the leftists always do um, is that they redefine terms. They, well, let's, re, let's redefine what Labour means. Let's redefine what progressive means. Let's redefine what liberal means. Yeah. Um, we need to re-redefine, uh, reverse-define, back-define <laughs> these terms again to what they originally meant. And value is an important one because... Just because you, you know, you spent money on that laptop, yeah? In economic terms, you're poorer. You spent money on it. That means, that means you, you, you gave money to that organisation to, to buy that laptop. Um, but the fact that you've got that laptop that is useful to you oh, so, so easily outweighs the money you spent so it on cost, it. it cost That's me, value. It cost me thousands of pounds. Yeah. But I've made a lot more thousands of pounds by having that laptop and doing yeah. the job and, and earning money. Because of, well, yes, yeah, because you've used it to earn money, but because um, you are more productive with it. You, <laughs> you have open on your laptop screen now a website with the quote from Spooner that you used earlier. Correct. Yeah? And you would have had to how own long, the how, book. How long would that have taken <laughs> to find in a library? Without, without the laptop. Exactly, and you wouldn't have just been able to reach for it from the, with your fingertips. And so um, the search engine that you used delivered you value, and the internet delivered you value, your laptop gave you access to those things. That's value. And it, you wouldn't have spent the money on that laptop if it wasn't going to deliver you that value. But that value was created, and that's, that's the thing, again, that the statists don't understand. They don't understand how value is, is created. Uh, whereas in capitalism, valueism, as we want to call it, um, it, 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 it's all about the creation of value, and, it, and it's all about the transaction is win-win because you wouldn't have done it otherwise. Just going back to terms like, uh, like, like, like liberal and progressive uh, that I talked about earlier, and I, I that know that have been corrupted. Yeah, that value, for example, the yeah. words they've tried to change the definition. Um, I know we go on about Euron Brook a, a little bit, but one of, one of the things I've heard, heard him say a number of times, so he refuses to call the certain people who identify as liberal as liberal, and right. progressives as progressive because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve the word liberal. They don't deserve the word progressive. And I'm, yes. I'm, I'm with him on that. You know, I, I would like to reclaim the word liberal. Um, you know, progressives originally were the people who were trying to, who were who fighting for freedom. You know, the, the, the left wing were those who were fighting against the government, against the, the Tories who wanted to kind of to keep feudalism and to keep this kind of system where they were very, very well off. Yeah, that worked for um, them. The, the, the work for them. The left wingers, the progressives, they were the, the, the anti-government types, you know, the anti-state control. So they, they don't deserve that. Well, I've, I've been thinking this recently and I've been thinking we could go down the, 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 the Dave Rubin route. We could go down um, the, the Brendan O'Neill route of saying, oh no, we come from the left. We come from the left because we believe in liberalism above kind of all else. We believe in those those central tenets of freedom, well, I, I which like, came from the left. Sometimes I like referring to myself, I mean, I, and you know I troll people on Twitter, but sometimes I like to refer myself as like an original leftist or a proper leftist. Well, um, a classical liberal is a term I use. Yeah, um, but, but, but because, you know, we're, we're, well, no, hang on, if you look at the original definition of left-wing and where the left-wingers came from, that's me, that's the anti-government type. Um, you're, you're not a left-winger, really. Well, and this um, is why, though, we're straying from the topic, aren't we? But... 
the terms left and right don't don't matter anymore uh, and it is more about um, libertarian authoritarian on that on that spectrum or statist and <laughs> valuist let's say um, because now it doesn't matter whether you are in the Conservative Party, the Labour Party, the so-called Liberal, so-called Democrat Party, um, you're statist, and that, and that's what you are. Um, and the only the only alternative for that, that I can see is 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 the non-state or the valuist. I've still got so much more to talk about, but let should we should we wrap it up there because there this is a huge topic, and I've got so much no, so many more notes here, but that's probably enough for one edition. Um, so thank you very much for listening to Sounding Board, but definitely tune in next time because I have a feeling we're going to talk more about the morality of capitalism and, uh, and we'll keep talking about it. What the hell are you talking about? Thank you for listening to Sounding Board. You can go to soundingboard.com or iTunes uh, or Podbean or Player FM, listen to all our other episodes and we will see you again next time. And we'll actually end it properly.